Women should feel empowered to pull each other up. We want to build a community to share other women's stories. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Tea with TE. This is Namita Seth today, and we are going to talk about the Women in Leadership podcast. And um, Namita, I will hand over to you to give us a quick introduction of yourself, if that's all right. Thank you, T, and uh, very excited to be here on this Tea with T. And uh, today is a beautiful sunny day for me and I'm excited about this conversation with you. Um, For me, um, I am currently a chief people officer for OSF Digital. It's an IT services organization, mostly into the implementation space in digital technology, Salesforce, etc. And um, prior to this, I'm two years into this uh, role. I was a lifer at an organization called WebPro Technologies, uh, where I've played multiple roles, um, you know, from HR to um, business transformation deals, mergers and acquisitions, creating a new digital um, organization for the larger organization, et cetera. Um, so it's a mix of uh, roles I've handled um, in my about 18 plus years of experience, uh, lived in different parts of the globe, and uh, currently I call New York City home. Um, so that's me, Dee. Perfect. Thank you. And there's there's so much that obviously we can catch up on throughout this episode, which I'm really looking forward to talking to you about. I think the best place for us to start is if we go back to when you started out your career and you're obviously in the advisory space, which I'm sure everybody would love to hear from a consulting perspective how you found that. Um, when you and I have been talking, we've obviously spoken in the past about how you felt it was a bit like an Alice in Wonderland feeling when you were leading HR transformation deals globally. So I, I am very interested. I know you've got lots of interesting stories to to tell. So would you mind just sharing a bit about that and, and how those experiences shaped your journey to date? Wow, you remember that Alice in Wonderland uh, analogy, Gee. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm glad you're bringing it up. Yeah, I think um, when it was the beginning of my career, so there were multiple things going on in parallel. Uh, I was a very small city girl. I grew up in a little town up of uh, north of India. And um, when I started working, it was very early years. It, I was very young, early 20s. Um, so going from a small city to a large city, that was one transformation the other one was getting into the big corporate world and it was not just the corporate world I was in human resources and there are a lot of additional areas that come to you with the job description so I was leading a um, 3,000 people business partner role right wow. from one right so it was like wow I'm supposed to lead people and I'm just so new to wow. this place right yeah um, from there to you know getting into the groove, uh, trying to be comfortable with myself. So in the, I think, early years of the career, uh, what I realized is there is so much out there that you have to just keep, you know, learning and imbibing. There is, uh, for me personally, I'm not sure if I can generalize this word for everyone, but there wasn't a generalized um, way of saying, oh, I got this, right? So I was like, you know, I need to learn as I go and um, 
but I'm not going to ever stop saying no to the things that come to my, you know, table to, um, as way of work, as way of, can you do this? Of course I could do this, but I mean, I may not know how to do that. Right. So I took each of those challenges, um, as little learnings in my stride, um, and getting into the deal transformation space, um, was a pivotal moment in my career. And it also happened by chance. Like I said, um, I was a part of the, uh, you know, the regional teams or so-called, you know, you know, business unit. And I was called by corporate saying, Oh, there's something that is going on. Would you want to participate? It's just a, you know, additional assignment to your role at this point, because we don't have enough people. I was like, yeah, why not? First of all, how did you know I'm here? Because there are a lot of people in the organization, right? So anyway, so um, that was the point where I realized that um, <clears throat> this is the space I really love. So there was no day or night for me. And, um, you know, uh, my previous organization was highly acquisitive and uh, we were acquiring a lot of companies. And for every company we would acquire, we would be reading many more. Mm-hmm. And um, that was probably the space that I felt home, um, knowing about the operating model for different companies, what was their secret sauce and uh, what brought them there, right? So for me, my HR functional role was for sure always there, but I led with my uh, business thinking of why we are doing, how we are doing, and then connecting the dots with what in the talent pieces. So that was my foray into the transformational deal space, getting into consulting. So long answer to... No, that's that's the perfect answer. We've talked about it a little bit, because obviously you, you traveled a lot during that time. What I guess what did that travel look like? I know you've talked to some to me about some awesome places that you've been to, but equally coming from that small background, going to a much bigger environment, obviously having that Alice in Wonderland feeling where you think, oh my goodness, have I just come down a rabbit hole and how have I ended up here? Where where did that hunger and that appetite come from to lead you to that point as you say you you were in a big organization they they managed to find you and you managed to then go on that journey with them but yeah I guess how did your attitude to just wanting to dump, jump right into that lots of people would probably shy away from that experience without being forced I think and so where did that hunger and the the want come from yeah I think um you know, being again, I'm going to relate a lot to it, you know, as you grow, right? In my format of years, um, that feeling that, you know, I did not know enough, right? I do feel that um, there was a sense of inadequacy when I started my career journey. Um, and I I do feel it carries on until today, Terry, right? But yeah. I kind of uh, struck a deal with the devil, if you have to say, right? That, okay, you're not going to be comfortable, but what are you going to make out of the situation, right? There's either mm-hmm. you can you know, deal with this discomfort, but at the same time, look at how much you're going to learn in the process. Yeah. Um, people, systems, processes, organizations, different ways of thinking, um, stakeholder management. There was never an end to where I could limit that what yeah. I'm going to learn out of today, right? Um, the hindsight reflection into the question you just asked is, yes, um, probably 
today, you know, as I think when you grow up in your careers, you're more careful and more conscious of mm. the choices you're making. But probably as you're in your early days, you know, you are you're sure. more open. But but I, I do feel that openness stays with me even today. So I do not shy away from raising my hand if the situation is not to my best liking. Right. And uh, that's probably what kept me through. And uh, more I traveled, I realized that the world is pretty much the same. And as I was dealing with the functional human resources, um, you know, angle, um, it it kept validating itself with each conversation and travel that at the end of the day, all of us feel the same for ourselves in our careers. We want to grow. We want to come to a place of work uh, with a sense of purpose. We want to learn from our colleagues. We want to have a good environment. Um, culture is important. Value system is important. And those are the things that make people thrive. And that was agnostic of which country you are in or which cultures yeah. you're you know, being brought up in and which organizations you are from. So uh, probably that was an amazing discovery over the years because if we look at each other, we look probably very different. But at the core of it, we are pretty much connected and by the same God. I got goosebumps a little bit then when you said that, because I think we all are in our own bubbles so much sometimes that we think everything is so different for me and, and people don't get it in the way the same way I do whereas actually it doesn't matter where you are in the world if you're still in your small town in India and you've come to this big huge city in New York actually some of the issues or all of the issues are probably the same it's still yourself that's tackling them not somebody else and I think it's really how individually you deal with these things on your own mm -hmm. We've talked about this and this is going back a little bit, but I know that a lot of your career is or has been, I guess, self-taught and you are somebody that kind of puts yourself in a learning situation. Do you think it's always been like that through your career in, in how you've got to this point? Um, I would say yes to that, that, um, you know, I am pretty much self-taught. But I'm surely wanting to give a lot of credit to that self-teachings, to the autonomy that was provided to me yeah. in my career, right? Somebody has to trust you, right? I can say that I'm self-taught, but um, that is going to be incomplete if you don't get the space to teach yourself, yeah. right? And that space can only come from your seniors in the organization. I was too young at a point of time where I was put in front of client uh, facing um, organization yeah. and, um, you know the CHROs and CIOs of uh, you know multi-million dollar deals and um, somebody had to trust me to do that right so if I say I'm self-taught I think I'm going to rob a lot of people for the credits they should get for what they gave to me and that was probably the salary no, of course yeah I think it's that internal self-teaching that comes with the hunger I guess that we've just talked about to want to to learn fast I guess you have to fail fast at the same time if that's the situation we sometimes put ourselves in. You mentioned there, and I don't want to over overlook it, there was one little point that you said at the beginning of that first answer, um, which is a feeling of that you had a feeling of inadequacy. Mm -hmm. And I think we should touch upon that because obviously you mentioned about discomfort and, and sometimes how that has propelled you to get to where you are today. 
I feel like everybody needs to talk about these things because we don't always. So can you share how your early challenge, early challenges have got you through and, and, and got you here? And I guess the learnings that you've taken from that. You really want to talk about inadequacy when you <laughs> Oh, but it's true. You know, I'm never going to be shy of saying this. I am going to, you know, embrace it with a lot of love for yeah. what it is, right? Um, uh, it and it is evolution of us as beings, Terry. Right? Um, you can start your life. Everybody, you know, progresses in their life at from one point to another, right? There will be a lot of people who started somewhere and they are somewhere very different, right? So. And there can be different propellers for them, right? My propeller was, yes, I feel inadequate, but what can I do about it? The only thing I could do is how could I feed that inadequacy with the feeling of, oh, you're, you're knowing in the process, you're getting to learn things, right? So I had to feed um, those those um, areas of, um, you know, uh, things that, you know, kept me not very happy about myself. I was not the most happiest with myself because, um I wanted to uh, learn things very fast. And that's a process, right? Yeah. Um, nothing is going to come to you just because you you think you want to learn in a go, right? Yeah. So we have to, I think, trust the process. We have to trust ourselves. But what would not go away is the work you put at the back. I would not say that you can traverse the road, take divergent roads, Yes, hunger is important, but equally important is the work you're going to put towards it, right? So there's a lot of things that you say about strategy, but no strategy will be complete without an good execution at the back. And if you really think of it, my strategy was that how do I get over my, you know, feeling of inadequacy? Yeah. My execution tactic was just keep doing whatever comes to me. And it comes with a lot of hard work. I do not want to again not say that it was a lot of yeah. lot of hard work behind it. Yeah, I don't think anybody gets to where they get to without the work that goes in to get them to that point. And I, I think we always have to talk about the good and the bad and the hard work that goes with it. I'm sure there were many years of living in and out of suitcases and lots that went into getting your career to where it is today. And, you know, Terry, um, I, I'm from, uh, I spent most of my, you know, uh, part of like, you know, uh, like I would say half my years that I'm today in India growing up yeah. there. So um, I, my professional journey started in India after a few years, I moved some countries, lived in, yeah. you know, um, in Sydney, London, then US, lived in some cities in the US too. Um, I didn't feel that, you know, that I'm here and there is a, you know, red carpet that's waiting for me to just walk on it, right? I had to yeah. find my identity. I yeah. had to. And um, it's your, you know, you you are going to be questioned over and over by your own self that what's your standing, you know, what, what do you belong to this place? You know, I had those questions all the time that do I even belong here? Because yeah a lot of front-facing um, roles that come in the HR space were not uh, really, you know, I'm talking probably early 2011 or so, were not mm-hmm. with people of color, right? And uh, diversity was not as much. So I had to find my space because it wasn't something that was given. And the talks that we talk, you know, here around, around diversity and yeah. gender equality, et cetera, 
Um, I think I was very fortunate that my environment and my organization provided that. Yeah. But at the same time, there's a larger macro part to the story too. Yeah. So, so yeah, you know. Yeah. An exciting and interesting story. that you were a female, a young female thrown into that mix, I think, because I don't think the odds were in your favor necessarily if we are going back to 2011. So thinking of the work that you will have had to have put in to get yourself here is obviously credit and kudos to you. I know that it it wouldn't have been, I mean, we're, we're barely even there and it's 2023, right? But I think it's an incredible achievement and I can't imagine what it's then like being in a different country, trying to have to figure yourself out whilst also showing face and turning up to this quite stressful job <laughs> and, and you know I don't want to say that uh, I've actually been on the fortunate side of the house Derek. yeah of course I've really been on the fortunate side of the house yeah. because um again I have to give it to people I work with who put a lot of their trust in me right uh but there was still a lot of figuring out that had to happen right I was an immigrant in a space where mostly human resources and talent was very predominantly dominated uh, feel by local you mm-hmm. know uh, of course I would say folks in different ways um but you know I have to when you're asking me this I have a you know one incident that comes to my mind is yeah. um I was um it, it's a funny one you know I take it in okay. a funny in a humorous way um I was in a this was probably I don't know early 2012 13 14 some, somewhere around that I don't remember yeah. the year now but um I was in a really big um deal this is not MA this was a real right. deal for yeah. us as an organization and uh, it was led by an advisor team and uh, one of the senior executives from my side of the house comes to me and says oh you know what um I really like what you do and you know uh you're able to you know really take this whole thing on your own I really love it but there's something I want to tell you um you look too young for being in front of you know the clients that we deal with the people at the other end they're all over 50 55 so um uh, can I ask you something I was like yeah sure I was like, do you color your hair I was like yeah I do so could you leave them gray and I was like really did I just hear that and um he did it in a good stead you know I yeah yeah of course responsible for what he said but yeah you know, it made me really think of how do we perceive it was how do we really perceive capability, right? Yeah. Is gray hair or gray cells or gray matter? What, what, what is important, right? Yeah. So I had to, you know, talk this out to myself and um, I still colored my hair as I went. And I'm like, no, I'm going to do yeah. what I, I'm going to do. <laughs> yeah. And it is the, 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 I guess this podcast is all around female empowerment and female leadership and how we've got to that point. And I think, the fact that you didn't conform and you yeah. you did stay true to yourself like I think it's great if you have been able to say actually I have achieved this well so I'm young <laughs> and yeah, I'm gonna look young until I'm young right yeah <laughs> I don't want to go the other way yeah <laughs> There's another thing, Terry, you just said, and um, I'm going to connect to some points you made earlier. Yeah, cool. um, I, 
again, I'm in a function where, you know, you're responsible for making rules for the organizations, okay. yeah, processes, et cetera, and then you are going to look for compliances. Uh, but at the same time, um, I've always tried to see, can I go a little outside my, you know, rule boundaries and test myself? But at the same time, I, you know, I know, you know, I'm not going to enter into a space where it's going to be a questionable situation, but I've tried to experiment with myself in multiple ways. And uh, that's another, I would say, uh, you know, way I could get into the spaces that I was not comfortable with, right? So yeah. I had to learn comfort. It did not come organically yeah. day one. I was just there. Yeah, I think the best growth comes from discomfort. I think that's how we get it, get it like you've talked about. You get yourself through a certain thing because you feel uncomfortable and you know you have to get through it. So, and then you come out of the other side and you think, oh my gosh, actually, that was okay. Yeah. What's that's next? <laughs> Which I know that you've had a lot of throughout yeah. your career. I think you've also touched upon a little bit that it wasn't just yourself that that got yourself. And, and it never is. Of course, we have to learn on our own how we deal with certain situations and how to progress but equally we, we learn things from others along the way is there a key or a memorable piece of advice that you've had or is there something that you've had in terms of the, I think we've talked about like nature versus nurture and things like that in the past that equally kind of go hand in hand with treading in the uncomfortable yeah, I'm, there are many parts to this question, and um, yeah, I I I don't think I would be here if it wasn't for the teams I built with me, right? right. So let's say starting with um, the biggest uh, pride I wear on my sleeve is um, the teams I could uh, curate and nurture over the years, and uh, it's, um, it's amazing sense of fulfillment when I get texts from people I've worked in the past from probably two decades back and they would write back saying um is there a way we can work together again or you know just how are you doing yeah. um so those are like you know and saying oh you know we we wish you know we can come back to that we are working together etc cetera, etc cetera. so i think that's the one big area um that i would say that you cannot you know take this journey yourself mm -hmm. you be um with of course people who are going to give you that space to grow but then are you doing reciprocal um you know um i would say space for growth for your team members right so um i learned a few things from my managers and i have tried to give it back to my teams in whatever way i could things like um transparency i believe so that I'm very transparent right and I believe if I know something in an area and you're my team member you should know it as much as I do yeah. right um other part would be uh giving people a lot of freedom and autonomy in their role but at the same time being closely at their back so they need you they find you because at some point as you work with more and more senior colleagues and team members you realize that it's not a lot about um you know how much they are seeking to learn from you because they already come with that right they've you've mm. got years of experience probably it's also um how more about you know how you care for the team and also how are you able to really have those meaningful dialogues and help them sometimes find an answer to the multiple, you know, uh, options they are dealing with? Okay, you know, yeah. I have this problem. These are four things that I can look at it. 
can I have a good conversation with them, right? Yeah. So um, those team is one, therefore, right? Yeah. Part to that would be um, so. I'm I'm gonna also slightly touch the part you said nature and nurture, right? Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> it was for me um, the nature and nurture was very deeply engraved into how I took my career journey because at the heart of it I am an introvert and um, I had to learn uh, to you know put up a different face to myself uh, in a more confident way, right? Uh, when I'm not probably feeling the same way at the back of it when I don't want to be with so many people but I had to be right but um, that had to come with a sense of genuineness right Um, I could not just fake it it was very difficult for me to fake extroversion Um, it was something that I had to nurture yeah Um, and I think I'm still the same way I have my moments of extreme you know like when people see me they would never believe me that when I say I'm an introvert right so it's an extreme extroversion they would see yeah people I know well and when I say I'm an introvert they'll look at me and say oh you know just don't say things that don't sound true and I'm like yeah so I have those extreme sides to me now but yeah uh, I've learned to be again uh, genuine to myself because if only if I am true to myself can I be um you know genuine to that conversation and the relationship and the stakeholder Tarek. yeah I really like how that has been a key theme to our conversation and I I've obviously met with you many times and every time I get the same version and you are very very genuine so I think it's true that you do bring your own self and you are very transparent I think it's we we have to be in today's society I think Mm -hmm. There's a lot of things, especially as women. I actually think that's the thing that we do the best is that we are pretty transparent, sometimes maybe too direct, <laughs> but it doesn't matter. Um, right. And and look, Namita, thank you for sharing. I, I don't know if this is easy for you in terms of doing this podcast itself, for example. So I appreciate the the conversation around sometimes having to force yourself to be an extrovert versus what you would usually be used to let's talk a little bit about how yeah, let me just the... tell you yeah it's not an easy one for me to come on your <laughs> podcast and do that trust me it, it's just not a cakewalk for me so yeah it's not it's probably not something you normally do on a day-to-day basis either in terms of putting yourself out there in something like this thank but you I, for pushing me for doing this no of so course it took a lot of pushing at your end so thank you for that and I, and I promise everybody's going to really enjoy this. I, I think it's going to be a great, great listen. Um, I think let's just go back a little bit because you and I have talked about the evolution of the talent landscape. Um, we've talked about how you lead into the future and, and you've just talked a little bit there about your teams. Um, but I guess from a, a transformational perspective, should we talk a bit about the key transformations that you've observed and and how HR now plays a vital role in shaping business outcomes? Sure. See, um, for me, my journey of, um, yeah, my career has been seeing different organizations because I got to be in the consulting space and the M&A deal-making space and the, you know, general, generally, it was a very different um, ways that you find yourself looking at different companies who've evolved in their journeys and HR space 
is so different in different organizations mm -hmm. and uh, it's not always um you know uh, equally proportional to where the companies have uh, evolved some of the companies have evolved uh, in their you know key offerings but their talent spaces are still very nascent right mm -hmm. and there's no right or wrong about it because um that was probably the areas companies chose to you know invest and grow yeah. um so if you look at um, different sizes of organizations, so this answer will be very different to where you are in the, you know, which organization you are in, where you are in that scope of the role, et cetera. For a lot of large organizations who've got their basics in place and they've got their right systems and processes, the business partnership is about the, um, you know, how you can partner with your frontline mm -hmm. stakeholders to uh, org design. Org design is taking such a big space in the talent um, space oh. today. Um, how you're looking at the leadership development in uh, significant ways, um, where you can put your things together for succession planning because that's becoming really big in the talent competitive world mm -hmm. of today again right so there is different um uh, ways that you experience hr depending on what size of the organization you're in whereas for much smaller size organizations which they're you know who are still catching up to the thing is um getting you know systems and um you know operations but at the same time they're also vying for that space in the business partnership space right so their journey yeah. is very fast you know it's a very fast track learning and um, i can tell you um you know from the organization where i am right now um we're we're doing a lot of that in parallel you know we are building up the blocks we are operationalizing the engine to be automated but at the same mm -hmm. time we're also wanting to be frontline partners for our organization right um however the atomic you know unit of my organization today is data and most of the decisions are based on data like is there data to support what you are sharing oh i need to launch this thing right let's talk about everything that that launch can have in terms of data points, right? Uh, why we need to invest in a certain thing, why we need to do certain things. So it is data oriented. Now, yeah. what does to, you know, you as an HR professional is you're going to start thinking of a lot of things in a very different way, a lot of things in an outcome way, not just mm -hmm. about, okay, how many, um, you know, uh, leadership trainings you did or behavioral trainings you did but where did they really make an impact yeah right so the lens is shifting from just about how many to how much right yeah. so the outcome is important so the output is not and that's the thing that we are saying even in the technology side of the world it's not about um, output people can write their, their mm -hmm. full conversations about productivity, um, about, you know, all these, uh, you know, concepts around building um, AI engines to drive uh, the landscape yeah. in the IT development side, um, the innovative platforms that are coming in. Uh, so it's, it's a lot about uh, building those uh, future facing teams with all these tool sets that is important. And I think in HR, it is equally important to imbibe um, the technology evolution that we are seeing. So the HR evolution is not, um, you know, independent of the technology evolution. And since we are going to be enablers to the business, mm -hmm. we need to be equally 
on a war footing on these uh, new age tools, etc. Yeah. And I see that, you know, let's say in my organization currently, that's one of the key agendas that we are driving in HR, not just how to enable the organization to use these tools, but also to keep reflecting on everything we are doing and how do you showcase um, outcomes for yeah. the function? I guess just while that comes to mind, and, and obviously it's so important, but I think HR is probably the hardest, the hardest sector to be able to show some of the things for because it's not tangible. Say like you talk through like a there's a top 200 leadership event that you host. How how are you going to this? Is just me kind of asking a question, but how how do you and how do you extract that data? Yeah, so, uh, you know, there are different things and uh, nothing on the surface makes, uh, you know, it's not like yeah. lots of data and you put them together side by side and they're going to talk to each other. It's about <laughs> correlations, right? Yeah. About how you make certain, you know, data sets that you hold and other data sets that the organization okay. is driving in the larger sense. How do you put them together? Right. I'll take the yeah. same example of, let's say, um, you know, you you put project managers, let's say, in the organization through a um, leadership coaching program for almost five to six months because coaching programs are generally more long-term oriented. What did it really, as an outcome, what mm -hmm. did it change? So generally, I would think in the past, um, we would say, oh, there's a uh, you know questionnaire that uh, people would fill at the end of the training programs. How was the training? How was, uh, did you like the content? Did you like the trainer? Did you like blah, 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 right? All, yeah. all of those things. But how did organization really benefit out of it? You know, we were really yeah. not asking yeah. those questions. Yeah. Right? So what we are asking is we are going back to, let's say their managers to check um, was there a change in the CSAT for um, this individual? Uh, what is the quantifiably, you know, visible outcomes as the yeah. team management scores? Like if you are, okay, another, so it's like, you know, a loop. So if okay. you yeah, of course. surveys and you have team management scores, did this person's next team management score in the next annual survey look different because, you know, the person underwent the training? So those correlations, are I think what makes outcomes more visible for HR. Yes, exactly. I just wanted to ask that because I know there will be people asking that question in their minds of thinking, I know that that's where we need to get to as an organization, but I think not everybody knows how to necessarily think about joining the dots. And you're right, it's, it's obviously you do need to, that, that's the role of the people function, right? It's pull in every single function there is. <laughs> absolutely and you know it's like i think we're still just touching the ice tip of the iceberg yes. in this right there's so much uh and uh, there's so much for us to learn as a function yeah. so much yeah i i'm looking forward to the future of, of hr and seeing where it goes i've been in this space for 10 years and and i see it evolve constantly yes but then not not huge amounts at the same time in certain places so it's, it's an interesting spot um Thinking about your journey and thinking about obviously the, the HR competence that you've got that we've just talked about there and then combining that with humility and thinking about those as important qualities that I think we've, we've addressed here throughout this conversation so far. Are there some experiences that you feel have played a significant role in bringing those two pieces together and, and in your career journey? 
Um, I think in any role that you do, right from a startup uh, of your career to as you go, wherever you are, you're going to be evaluated for your competence, right? That goes yeah. without just saying, right? So it's important that you bring yourself to the role, right? Uh, mm -hmm. But at the same time, when you do that, uh, how humble you are about it as in to me I my definition of that is are you able to really have others who want to work with you right uh, because competence can lead the way but uh, because you're in a certain role people are mm -hmm. going to be obliged to say yes but would they want to work with you again right uh, that obligation versus uh, you know that yeah. need that oh wow I, I want to work with this person again and you're not in a people pleasing business because uh, that's not the idea what I'm trying to convey it's about genuinely being uh, you know collaborative yeah. being humble about that you know not everybody in the team brings the same competencies to yeah and how do you bring the best of each person to the table right and yeah. that's what I think is um, what I try to do that um, intuitively, yeah. scientifically. Um, I remember there was um, a two by two matrix that one of my, my early managers told okay. me was about love, um, love and respect. So okay. she said that, you know, it's very difficult to be on the top of love and respect two by two. And even if you can be close to that quadrant, uh, know that there will be people who would want to work with you and the only way you can be successful is by having great teams around you so my formula was great teams being humble creating that lot of competence i i always try to and i do it right i try mm -hmm. to have people who can tell me that uh, they are in their own humble way they are better than me because that's what you know you bring all of it together but they have to be humble about it yeah I always think you shouldn't, if you're leading something, you don't want to be the the smartest, smartest person in the room. I think yeah. you, you want to have those people that you know are going to be the best at something and you take them along on the, the journey. Oh yeah, absolutely. And you know, if you look at uh, how the future of work, we talk about that as a topic, right? As the title, future of work. There's no future. We're already here. It's a present. Yeah. <laughs> There is um, all kinds of different teams you're working with, hybrid skills, yeah. remote. Uh, how do you bring people together? It's really becoming important for organizations to crack this uh, conundrum of how much can they invest in people early in their careers uh, while sitting in remote offices, right? It's it's a tough, tough challenge to solve. Yeah, it's difficult. Somebody said to me on a meeting the other day, we were talking about, it's a bit of similar to the two by two matrix, but in terms of um, your team management and, and being in a leadership role, she said, how, if we were in a room with all of your team right now, would you be comfortable with what they would say about you? Mm -hmm. And I think that's just such a good way of thinking about how you show up to your team every day. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> all big uh, you know high five to that <laughs> yes exactly exactly um I think we've talked a lot about certain aspects that have got you in, into the space that you are in today as chief people officer at OSF so are there other emotions or um other skills I know that we've talked about perseverance for example in the past any experiences like that that you think are useful to share? Yeah, 
uh, I will take the, um, you know, analogy of uh, climbing, um, you know, you hike, you climb, right? So you're not going to always like that little thread that you've taken. Sometimes it's a longer one. So you're going to complain on the way, but you're going to like things that, uh, you know, the ultimately how you feel about it. So it's been a mixed area to that question. Um, you know, a lot of exciting challenges to solve. Um, for me, the word... I, I think I believe that that failure as a word doesn't resonate with me very well, right? For me, it's always about it didn't go well and it can be done better, right? So that's that's something that I would say is one of the uh, competencies or skills that whatever you want to call it. And um, you will have, you know, multiple times of uh, self-doubt. You would have, you know, times where you are getting accolades. Um, are you, you know, you may enjoy a lot of times the limelight that um, you probably are not ready for, right? Like um, I, in my introvert self doesn't like to be visible, but at the same time, you also have to have boundaries of what you think about yourself as an individual and how you want to be as a leader, right? So there has to be a boundary of, I may not like limelight, but I need to know that I have a team who needs to be visible. Right. So there is a difference that I as a person and I as a leader in a team. Is, right. So those those areas, if you're able to reflect and talk to you to, to yourself about it, I think they make your journey better. Um, and the horizontal of it is, um, uh, I would say, yeah, we said perseverance. Um, I, I think it just comes on its own if you think, you know, you're making some, um, let's say you got some really good chefs in your kitchen trying to prepare some good meal, right? And uh, it says like an old adage, too many chefs spoil the, or too many cooks spoil the broth. But you know what? But if you have right kind of people with right um, uh, intent, right, you are going to make up a good meal. So yeah. a recipe of the good meal is about intent. And the outcome would be, uh, yes, there was a lot of uh, uh, resilience in the room probably, which led to it at the end of it, perseverance. But you may not be the only one. Sometimes you rub yourself with people who are in the same room in the same race. So either they are rubbing on you or you are rubbing on them. But that process is very symbiotic. And um, I love to be in rooms where you can exchange so much of positive energy. And... Um, there is no uh, bad thing about tough feedback. When I say positive energy, tough feedback is a part of positive energy for me because that's the way I'm going to get better, right? So it's my choice at that point to be bitter or better about what I just received, right? So those are the things I think that help you with perseverance and resilience as you go. I love that. I'm going to take that away with me, bitter or better. Definitely going to share that one. Um, one final question before the before the final question, <laughs> the penultimate question <laughs> is: okay. We've obviously heard all about your in incredible career to date, and thank you so much for sharing. See, this is a women in leadership podcast. We hope that we can reach lots of ambitious women that are, are trying to get to the same spot that you are. So, is there any advice that you would offer? to aspiring women to take control and, and forge their own career path? Yeah, I would say if you're in an organization that gives you enough space and opportunity, create your own job description. 
don't wait for somebody to come and tell you that these are the only five things you can do in a day, right? There is so much more and show up for more, right? Um, raise your hand for more. Even if nobody's asking you, get yourself in, you know, additional uh, projects, the company is running, etc. Because what you would do is in parallel, you're building skill sets that are not just coming from your job and a role at that point of time. You're taking probably imbibing things that are much ahead of your time that you don't even know and skills that you may be applying somewhere down the line, right? So it's not just role by job description, create your own journey. Um, and I cannot stress that enough that um, I had to take, you know, very divergent roads in my career. Yeah. We talked about in the beginning of the conversation. Yeah. Uh, and they've all been super, super experiences. Like, I don't think I would be one-tenth of what I am today if I would have, you know, closed myself to those experiences, um, Terry. So that would be my thing. And um, unless, you know, there is... Um, and this is a little tough message, doesn't? Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, and I would say this: I'm saying this being, being on the fortunate side of the, uh, you know, uh, life. Um, gender is a thing, but do not make it a monster, yeah. right? It's an equal platform if you really want to go out and raise your hand. So, be there. Maybe it's to your advantage, right? Uh, it's a great thing you should wear on your sleeve again, and. Um, yeah so that's what it is for me thank you I really think there's some valuable takeaways there some that I'm going to take away with me so I really appreciate it thanks for for joining us as you know this is the tea with tea podcast so I do have to ask how do you take your tea oh how do I take my tea <laughs> that's actually a good one um had it been coffee with tea I would have said no to this podcast <laughs> <laughs> because you, know you don't like coffee no I that's a nurtured side of me that's okay. not the nature side of me <laughs> because uh, I, I am from India and uh, tea was what you know we grew up drinking so coffee wasn't uh, and north of India especially had tea so tea is my natural to go and I love coffee too but uh, yeah so how do I like my tea I like the English breakfast okay. uh, with two splashes of uh, cream and uh, really like you know sugar just for a you know hint of sugar not a lot of sugar so that's how I go for my tea great choice well, yeah. thank you for spilling your tea with me. I appreciate Hello. it. And yeah, thank you again for your time. It's been great. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure, Derry. Thanks again. This has no been a wonderful one. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you.